0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week, we'll be discussing 2001's X-Men, the movie that, well, maybe started out the whole uh, superhero craze on film. Joining me to discuss this excellent movie is Tim Van Outroove. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much,
1: and thank you for that very sultry, wonderful radio voice intro that's fantastic. It's not something I'm used to.
0: Well, you That's know, I appreciate it. we do what we can to please the audience.
1: <laughs> it's fantastic. You sound almost, you almost had some NPR in there.
0: Good work. <laughs> you know, I've never listened to NPR and I'm, I'm afraid because I think if you listen to something, you start to imitate it a little bit. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, one of them being um, Star Wars Nerds Unite. Have you ever heard of that?
1: i have yes i have heard of that they're they're fantastic
0: they are pretty fantastic you know they talk about the the star wars content after the acquisition from disney i I believe
1: (laughs) yes they sure do and i am i am one of the co-hosts you are yeah i am yep what i know that's how you found me and that's why i'm here so uh we are a star wars podcast we talk about we started um Uh, roughly the beginning of when the marvel series launched uh the new star wars marvel series and we started there and i started with my really nerdy star wars uh very non-podcaster friend josh (laughs) and my wife who is uh also not a podcaster Uh, i had been on comic nerds unite a previous podcast that i started with my buddy mark bolton shout out to him um and we had done that for a couple of years, and then we, uh, Josh and Jen and I decided to just launch the Star Wars thing because we were huge fans, except for Jenny, but we made her a fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually pretty cool to listen to your guys' dynamic because Josh, he is a wealth of information. I learn stuff whenever I listen to, I listen to the podcast, and he, he, he lays down some facts on you. And then you're like me, like, we're just happy to talk Star Wars. Right. And right. then your wife is like this learning person who's coming around to it, kind of resistant, but learning to love it like you do.
1: Yeah. And she's also kind of got a, a snarkiness to it, which uh, lends a certain flavor to the podcast that I don't think you get a lot on on some of the others. Yeah. She's she's not just the token girl. You know <laughs> what I mean?
0: Right. It's it's great to have that dynamic, especially because you guys are able to actually record in a physical location all the time, right?
1: Yeah, we all live in the same city, and it makes it pretty easy to get together. Uh, although lately, since Josh had his second youngling, it has been a little bit harder. So our recording schedule has been a little erratic. Hmm. But we're we still haven't put out an episode on on the new trailer.
0: You, you haven't wrote put one out? Yet? Uh, yeah yeah no. because the last one you put out was on um a few episodes of rebels i can't remember the numbers exactly uh it was six through eight of season two rebels is so good can we just talk a second about rebels and just how good that show is
1: you betcha that's entertaining
0: (laughs) i like that so rebels is is really good by the way any listener that has listened to the show for any amount of time knows that i recommend it all the time it's really hard to watch if you don't have cable (laughs) but uh and i have this this issue because you do you use disney x or have disney xd uh subscription or how do you how do you get the content
1: um i borrow a gotcha. disney xd subscription because uh, I, I don't pay for cable because that's for that's for fools uh <laughs> but i but i borrow theirs gladly and that's how i how i get it we just slap it up on the apple tvs or the ipads or whatever and then uh we consume it okay. so we've uh we watched the first season and I would say the first season kind of starts off more like a kiddie cartoon and kind of slowly morphs into something that's a little more, that has a few more adult themes Mm -hmm. and season two, I think really kicks off more of a dark feel as Ezra sort of touches the dark side. Um, You know, there's, there's probably, I would say two great episodes in season two. The rest are really good. Mm -hmm. And then there's one that is, do a backflip because you just blew your own mind by watching the show like the season the season finale yes holy cheese sauce (laughs) season finale
0: was excellent yes and this isn't confirmed yet so this isn't a spoiler this is purely conjecture and hearsay but for those of you who have seen the season finale of rebels you'll notice that there is a a voice that appears at some point and that voice supposedly, but not yet officially, we have heard from that person before. Do you know oh, who I'm talking about,
1: Tim? Uh, I don't, but Josh has copious notes. Uh, <laughs> we share an Evernote, and and we generally, on a, on a podcast like this, will he'll do a bunch of prep work, or I will. So I haven't reviewed all of his notes yet, but I'm sure he will tackle that along with some of the other theories that have popped up over the last week.
0: Mm-hmm. So, as uh, talking about theories that have popped up and have since been debunked, continuing the Star Wars notion, with that Rogue One trailer, you know, the, the main character that it circles around, people were thinking, oh, it's Rey's mom. But I never honestly entertained the idea. Nah. <laughs> but what did you think about that? How, do you think that this could be a ruse, that this is, in fact, Rey's mother? Nope yeah i don't think so either.
1: not not even a chance i mean from a year standpoint it doesn't make sense um i think she'd have to be like 40 or something when she had the kid
0: yeah because uh, at that point in the trailer she's probably got to be like 30 right
1: Maybe. uh late 20s i mean she's got uh she's got some wrinkles right she's older I mean, than
0: luke at that yeah point. oh yeah yeah so yeah i i think that From the normal physiology that we know of human females, I believe most of them passed childbearing age, in her case, before the end of Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So just put that in, you know, whatever the Star Wars terms is, because I I can't remember how many years passed between A New Hope and Jedi. Uh, I'm so bad right now.
1: Uh, It wasn't that many. It was like six I oh, was a six. Okay, maybe
0: maybe not so bad then.
1: Never mind. It, it was six to ten, but it wasn't anything more than that. I should have that right off the top of my head. Josh, <laughs> how many years was it? He's not here. He's not here to tell me.
0: <laughs> He'll just ask him next time on Star Wars Nerds Unite. We'll get the answer over on that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'll I'll send an email into my own podcast. There you go. Question for the uh, question for the week. So, yeah, that Rogue One trailer like I said we talked about it last week, but it was just really good to see that I've watched it probably about a million times now since the initial offering, but it's it's and I got to say it again, I wasn't I wasn't sure how excited I would be for the Rogue One trailer, but watching it really makes me desirous to see it now, for sure. Like there was never in a question whether or not I would be wanting to see it or looking forward to it. I'm always in for all Star Wars. But, man, now I really want to see it because that, that shot with the AT-ATs was oh, so good. That was my favorite part
1: too. It, <sighs> so it was good. amazing. That, it, something about those AT-ATs, I think just about all the walkers really mm-hmm. get me. Mm-hmm. Like that ATTP that was in uh, episode one and two of season two of Re- uh, Rebels. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah. I, that's supposed to come out in Lego form soon.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I need to get uh, some Lego Star Wars stuff. I've really been, uh, I don't know, this is a whole other discussion, but Legos used to be uh, a big passion of mine, being able to make and create and stuff like that. In the past few years, I've kind of gone away and gone more uh, models or figures or diecasts and things like that. But I really want to get back to the Legos again. I would love to be able to grab a Lego Super Star Destroyer. That's on my list of things that I will probably never get. But would love to have.
1: We uh for Josh's bachelor party, it was probably eight to eight years ago at least. Uh we I got a bunch of the guys together, we bought I, I found it on sale. It was only like two hundred and fifty dollars on Lego, but we got the giant Star Destroyer. It took it took probably fifty man hours for us to build it and put it together. Ooh. It was crazy, and he he's in the process of reassembling it because it went through <laughs> some moves, but it's it was pretty epic.
0: Oh, that's good stuff. I have a coworker, a friend of mine who who has various Legos uh, from the Star Wars. Like he has the the new Falcon from Episode Seven. He has the Ghost, and he has the Phantom, and he has um, Ray's Speeder on his desk right now at work. And I just I love walking over there and just taking a look, seeing what he's got going on. Walking away, it's it's great.
1: I have. Anyway. A- I have a special forces TIE Fighter in my right hand Ooh. right now as we're recording and I'm I'm having a hard time not trying to make TIE Fighter noises.
0: <laughs> no, feel free. That's okay. Oh, I, no, I, I strongly I'm gonna,
1: it, <laughs> I'm gonna set it down just in case.
0: I have a special forces TIE Fighter die cast at my desk at work. It's I love I love the, the new TIE Fighter design. I think it's excellent.
1: Yeah yeah, the the red stripe piece is really cool too. hmm
0: Anyway. This is not an episode of Star Wars Nerdy Night, ladies and gentlemen. This is, in fact, an episode of That's Entertaining. And we will be talking about things that are entertaining to us and what we have been entertained by this past week. Or, in c- the case of Tim, anything that you want to talk about <laughs> that's entertained you in the past, you know, let's say, a couple of years. Uh, anything that stands out to you other than Star Wars stuff, because I know you cover that in extents on your podcast, Star Wars Energy Night. But, Tim, what else has entertained you recently?
1: Uh, This past week, I read and really dug into Hulk Gray by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, It's a six-issue series that was put out way back in, like, 2003, I want to say. Might have been 2004. Um, Marvel put it out. It's in a a series of these color books that Jeff Loeb and and Tim Sale did, Uh, and we we really dissected it on the latest episode of comic nerds unite. And I really enjoyed the book. Uh, the, the theme of the book is, you know, Hulk gray is when the Hulk was first, the Hulk, he was gray and not green. And it touches on a lot of the emotional aspects of banner and the gray areas that, uh, exist in the Hulk's persona and banners persona. So, uh, it was a pretty, pretty emotional book, and uh, we dug in pretty deep on that episode.
0: So. You said that was a six-issue series.
1: Yes, yeah, it's a trade. I mean, everywhere you can get it. Uh, I think I got it digitally. Um, since Amazon linked up with Comixology, mm-hmm. it's pretty nice because I, I will any book that I want to buy, I will look at Comixology, and then I'll look at Amazon, and then I get to buy whichever one's cheaper, and then <laughs> they all sync to Comixology. So. I get, I get my cake and eat it too, but I only paid like seven bucks, I think, uh, nice. for the whole series and it's fantastic. So I would recommend it strongly.
0: So we have a, uh, a friend of the show who actually was on the show recently, uh, when we talked about X-Men Origins Wolverine Mo, uh, he goes by Coach Mo or, uh, Coach Hulk or whatever you want to go by. I think it's Coach Hulk on Twitter and he absolutely is in love with the Hulk so, I know that he's also a member of our new podcast that we just started up, the League of Entertaining Gentlemen, our comics podcast. So, I will make sure to bring up Hulk Gray to Mr. Mahoney.
1: Yeah, you guys should uh, read it for the podcast. It's a winner.
0: I will make a note of it. Anything else you've been entertained by, good sir?
1: Uh, well, I was going to mention rebels too, just because that's oh, been well, kind of yeah, the, the focus it's, it's, of whatever. But we already we already dug into that pretty hardcore. <laughs> what what was entertaining for you this week?
0: Oh, for me this week, um, well, honestly, as far as entertaining stuff goes, I have only been watching uh, one show, and that was I caught up on Arrow again, and they they did something interesting in Arrow, which needed to be done. Uh, let's just say they thinned out the herd a little bit. So I don't know. Do you ever watch the arrow TV show?
1: I was just going to ask you, how did you get into that show? Cause I, I have tried and tried and I just can't buy it. It's, it's a little bit too, uh, soap opera-y, I guess I'll say.
0: Yeah, I can see that. So how did I get into it? basically i started watching it i believe on netflix because someone said it was actually really good so i started watching a few episodes and i was like okay this isn't bad this is interesting um yeah it got a little soap opera everything on the cw has this little soap opera feel to it right but the second season really kind of sucked me in because it had a good storyline the first season was kind of rocky the second season i thought got really good um third season not so much i think that was the last season and then this season's gotten better again but i don't know honestly i think i just like steven emil's portrayal of the of the arrow of green arrow i think he actually is a great embodiment of him um we've really only had was it two portrayals of green arrow now on the screen and that was in smallville and i can't remember the actor that did that um and now Stephen emil and emil he he looks the part he does a good job i believe so I think the acting uh, really is kind of what brought me in and kept me hooked.
1: Do you watch Gotham?
0: I do. I don't know if I'm caught up to Gotham, though. I've, I'm pretty caught up, but I don't know if I've seen the last episode.
1: Okay. Got it. I, I have found that the people that like Arrow also like Gotham.
0: So I wouldn't say that I like Gotham. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, so Gotham took me a lot of time to get into, and I kind of just forced myself to watch it because I, I, for a while, I mean, you didn't really have one or two options for comp, content on TV, right? But it's kind of blowing up now. Um, but as far as that goes, Era, or Gotham started out weird, and it got kind of bad.
1: And whisper then, talking what's that whisper talking that's all they did
0: oh that's true yeah <laughs> yeah that was that is very true the
1: whisper talking face to face six inches from each other
0: Mm-hmm. especially uh jada pinkett smith's character and her portrayal of fish mooney was very out
1: there well and they i think they forgot that uh other comic book content had come out that was, um, good taken, taken seriously. Uh, and they went back to the, they touched on a lot of that original Batman, uh, the old school Batman Batman series. So, So they took the camp and they thought, Oh, it's a comic book. It was almost like non comic book. People were handling the show. Right. And so they thought, Oh, this is, this is a comic book. So we'll put this on screen. And then it was these over-the-top flourishes and acting and just ridiculous scenarios and chewing the scene. And mm. I, sorry, I don't mean to be uh, negative, but Gotham is something I just—I was so hopeful because all you had to do was make it a police procedural mm-hmm. like Law and Order or something, but then or uh, whatever that show is, SVU, mm-hmm. one of those cop shows, and then sprinkle in a superhero or make it jim gordon or whatever every now and then and then you had a wonderful television show that mm-hmm. everyone wanted to watch and instead we have this weird thing that is going on i watched all of the first season and part of the second just almost to punish myself or something <laughs> <laughs> well
0: i i've thought that it's gotten better as it went on so at the beginning i was really i didn't care for how it was oh hey you've seen this person before do you know who this is gonna be and then oh look at this person you know i i hated that right i thought that was really obnoxious and just didn't really add anything to it um but as it went on and as the season first season ended and the second season began i think it got better and now it's in a weird spot again but i think it's it's not terrible anymore it's it's more watchable now i think than when it first started
1: I think, I think that because I have less and less time, I mm-hmm. just focus on consuming media that I truly like now, mm-hmm. and, and Gotham's just not on that list.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get you there, definitely. So I don't have TV either um, as far as cable and stuff like that goes. Most of my content I derive from Hulu or from Netflix at this point. I also have Amazon Prime. But Amazon has yet to get a comic book movie, but I think, or a comic book show, but I think that's actually in the works. So as far as the shows go that I can watch on Hulu, I got the CW shows. So I get Arrow, I get Flash, which I love Flash. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I started to watch it. I haven't finished it much, but that show is much better. It reminds me a lot more of uh, the Supergirl show, which I think has been fantastic. They did a really good job with that show, capturing F- the character.
0: I've heard good things about the Supergirl TV show as well. I haven't had a chance to watch anything other than the first episode because it's on CBS, and CBS likes to keep their content
1: locked down. Yeah, Yeah, we we ended up—we bought it on iTunes just the first season so that we could watch the whole thing because that's, like, the only way you can get to it unless uh, CBS has their own streaming an uh, App where you can pay eight dollars a month to get that is CBS ridiculous. Shows. I am
0: sorry, that is ridiculous for one yeah. network's worth of shows. Yep, it's crazy. Yeah, I refuse to pay for that. But I do want to see the episode that just recently aired where the Flash and Supergirl meet up. I wanna, I want to see that whole interaction because I've heard that was really good.
1: Yeah, I, well, I haven't. I'm probably five episodes behind on the series so i have not caught that one yet
0: did i spoil it for you did you know it was coming
1: oh i knew it was coming okay (laughs) it was was all over the internet
0: yeah because it was everywhere you couldn't miss it pretty much like oh they're gonna finally meet which i think is funny because i'm sure they did it with him being able to kind of cross dimensions or something but i I would just love to see every and this kind of goes into a conversation about bvs too but i i want to know what DC Comics film or TV studios are thinking when they take these these you have great characters like the Flash on TV and you have established characters like Arrow on TV and you get well received characters kind of like Supergirl on TV and you decide oh we're gonna make this new film universe but all this stuff that you guys know now and like yeah that's not even gonna be in this movie this this is completely different. I wish they were more like Marvel in that way where it's all connected and it all actually jives. Yeah, it may not be the best. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not that great of a show. It's it's better than Gotham. But I just wish that they kind of made things cohesive and jive in some way.
1: Yeah, I think Marvel's done a lot better job of protecting their brand, which is a very Disney thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that shows with the success that they've had on both the small and large screen. Uh, DC, I think, has taken more of a uh, character-driven approach, so they're focusing on small aspects and just trying to show you these characters that you like because, really, when you think about it, um, when you think about Marvel, you think about the Avengers and the X-Men. Uh, when you think about DC, you think about Batman and Superman, uh, these individuals, and I think that's that's playing out... Um, in their media.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, But with, with the characters, like you said, even though you have the characters that they're building out, like Arrow and Flash, they're, they exist in the same universe on, on the TV side, but the Gotham uh, series is completely separate. And up until recently, Supergirl was separate too. But I mean, the the Flash is a character that can go wherever he wants, really, honestly. But, Um, I would just I just wish that we had a little bit better shepherding of the of the content as a whole. Like I wish that DC had a Kevin Feige to really control how everything all works together and plays together, like Marvel does. Because Marvel's got it unlocked. They know how it's they know how to get everybody excited for every movie that comes out. Even Ant Man who or Guardians of the Galaxy where before that movie came out nobody knew who Guardians was but they saw the Marvel logo and they knew it was with the same Avengers universe and so they went and saw it and everybody just loved it after they saw it we you can't get that with DC at this point DC they have their films they have their TV but they need to make they need to make them jive
1: yeah Marvel has a, a siloed studio i mean they are their own studio so they have control of their own properties and and they have good writers i mean they pull in the comic book writers as consultants um in dc is warner brothers and they're not in any way siloed Mm -hmm. so they kind of are controlled in a very different way i I, (laughs) something happened around when the new 52 launched for me i was a far bigger dc fan than marvel um and when new 52 came out I, i got very excited and i bought in and was quickly let down <laughs> and i started to see kind of where they were taking that that whole universe and it started to play out um in the movies that they have and the tv shows and it just everything started to really let me down on the dc side and it's gotten to where um like w- with marvel movies you know how how fast fantastic 4 has fox or fox has fantastic 4 right and so i'm i'm like actively rooting against uh these Fox Marvel movies so that Marvel will get the rights back so we can see them all in, in in one big universe. But some of that started to bleed over to DC where I'm like almost actively rooting for them to fail, but I don't have a good reason. Uh and I, I kind of feel bad, like 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 a cantankerous old comic book guy or something. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't want to be that way. I'm, I'm trying not to, but
0: I am boycotting
1: Batman versus Superman
0: boycotting it yeah have you not seen it no oh wow break break breaking news ladies and gentlemen super tim 82 on twitter has not seen batman v superman comment mr van atre
1: i saw it coming the trailers are terrible
0: (laughs) they were pretty bad they told you the whole movie
1: (laughs) yeah yes they did and uh jesse eisenberg as lex Luthor, or, or really not just as lex Luthor, but as any character (laughs) the way he acted was just so ridiculous and i didn't buy it and and just from speaking to some of these some of the other uh comic book friends that have seen it and know my sensibilities i mean just them describing it to me um hot garbage i just i just can't even imagine how they could mess up superman that bad and not its like they they don't even understand who that character really is uh you know and and everything with with Pa Kent and not
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I just I can't do it. So I'm so not gonna give saw, them my I'm not gonna give them my money. You saw Man of Steel. I did and and I liked a good bulk of that movie. I liked the uh hobo superman thing. I actually really <laughs> liked that. And uh I think it was good graphically. It was a little dark, uh, and I don't think that they they took a positive enough approach to Superman because Superman is hope. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, Superman is is the best of of us. He he embodies the best of America and American values and uh, you know, people in general. But that's not that guy on that screen. Mm-hmm. And, and the pocket thing I thought was really dumb yes. at the time that I watched it. Oh, I, it I mean, just is. the way yeah that that it that it was handled. Pocket would never do that. I didn't get like fanboy sort of bent out of shape like like a lot of people did, but I, I still. I was like, no person would do that. And and it's yeah, it's just not Superman. So I and I heard Batman kills people.
0: Yes. He and yeah. Superman both kill people.
1: Right. That's not that's not that's not Batman. Mm-hmm. I I mean, even if you take into the, the account that he is the hardened Batman who's been through it all, it's still not Batman.
0: I do, however, enjoy Ben Affleck's portrayal of both Bruce and Batman.
1: And and I believed always that he would do a good job, and that will be the only thing that will get me to watch that movie after it comes out on video. And I will, I will borrow it from a friend <laughs> so that I am not giving the money.
0: I think uh, it was actually confirmed today that uh, Ben Affleck will be doing a solo Batman film, uh, and I think he's gonna. He wrote it with somebody else, and I think the rumor is that he's gonna direct as well. I will watch that one. I would love to see that because he is actually, honestly, one of the best writer directors. I mean, Nolan is probably the best of our generation right now, but Affleck is coming on. He's, I mean, Argo, The Town, those are some some excellent movies that he wrote and directed.
1: Yeah, he's he's fantastic, and he's a huge Batman fan.
0: Mm-hmm. So so
1: I'm into it. I, I will I will jump on board for that.
0: Yeah, but to see that movie, if you have to. Let's say you have to go to Redbox and give them a dollar to understand uh, where this Batman movie is coming from. Would you give a dollar to Batman v Superman? Uh,
1: maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe I would do the dollar twenty nine at the
0: Redbox. Okay, just want to make sure that they 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 do have a dollar twenty nine from you if they need it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I usually I usually don't rent physical media. I do everything on the Apple TV. It's almost like a deterrent to get physical media in my hand, so maybe I'll just skip it altogether.
0: <sighs> I, I I think you'll have to eventually see it, though. I, mean, I, I will. Did you I'm see sure Fantastic Four? No, I haven't seen that one yet either. Oh, you're not missing anything, but I was going to say if you saw Fantastic Four, you have to see BVS.
1: <laughs> well, Fantastic Four had some pretty cool visuals in it. I, I kind of wanted to see it, um, but I wasn't going to see it in theaters. But, uh, yeah, I think... It's on Netflix now, or it will, I think it will be soon if not.
0: Oh, I mean, it probably will be soon. Yeah. HBO Go or something. It'll be on HBO Go for sure because it's on Blu ray. It's been on Blu ray for a bit. Um, I remember I went and saw that movie because we covered it opening weekend for That's Entertaining, this podcast that you're listening to. And they were, uh, we went into the theater and there were literally, I believe, 15 people in the theater for the very first showing. Wow. Yeah. Yikes! That's how bad that. Was. And I had like six people with me, so other than me, there were like nine other people in the theater. It was it was bad. Yeah, so, that sound,
1: sounds bad. We need to we need to get positive here. I I sound like the most cantankerous, awful person. <laughs> I've been so negative.
0: Oh no, no, not cantankerous, not awful. Opinionated, which is what we need. We need viewpoints and opinions.
1: Well, here, here it is.
0: There you go. So, but let's. You know, we've been talking about Marvel, movies, DC, comic book stuff. You know, all this started way back when and I can't remember is it X Men or was it Spider Man that came out first? They were uh, right around the same uh, lines.
1: Yeah, I wanna say it was X Men. So I I'm almost positive.
0: Spider Man came out in two thousand two and yeah, X Men came out in two thousand one. Or is it 2001 or 2002 for X-Men?
1: 2000, the first one.
0: Wow. I thought it was 2001 for some reason. Well, look at me being all wrong. Anyway, (laughs) so yeah, X-Men started out this comic book renaissance that we know of. Yeah, before it, there was uh, Dolph Lundgren's Punisher, Blade. Uh, I think David Hasselhoff had a stint as uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., There was all kinds of attempts. Uh, And Blade, yeah, it had its... There were probably... At least the first Blade was out before then. I think 2 and 3 came along after. But X-Men was the one that really hit. That really people gravitated to. So, let's get into our entertaining thoughts for this week. X-Men. It's it feels weird just saying X-Men, not X2, X-Men United, not X3 Last Stand, not First Class, nothing this. Just X-Men. Is is the movie that holds up, and I I want to say this right off the bat, holds up remarkably well. It, indeed it does.
1: Do you want to do you want to travel back in time to the year 2000?
0: In the year 2000. Oh, I was so
1: hoping you'd do that. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> So the the internet was a thing, right? But not not everyone had it, and you really didn't you didn't get a lot of pop culture stuff in 2000 yet on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't, did you?
0: Uh, I don't believe so. The only thing I remember like really getting pop culture on is I had dial-up and I would go try to go to starwars.com all the time because the year before they had the Star Wars trailer. It was so good. <laughs> yes <laughs> well,
1: well i mean you got it from from message boards and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing trolling around in aol chat rooms and things but there wasn't there wasn't like google and you learned about what was coming in the x-men movie you didn't have you know an rss feed <laughs> that was spitting out articles for you you from had all AOL sorts of different
0: word x-men
1: yeah exactly and and uh so you got your news from the newsstand and and Wizard magazine did you read Wizard?
0: I did not actually.
1: You missed out. How old are you? I am I 29. That? Okay. Oh, I, yeah, okay. So you were pretty young when this came out.
0: Yeah, so this was in 2000 I would have been 13. I was prime. Yeah. I was prime I, for this movie.
1: Okay. I was in high school. I was like 17. So I had money because I had a job. Ooh, so I was buying I all these magazines and seeing sunglasses. all the seeing all the Casting rumors and and that kind of thing. So there was so much hype and build up for this, uh, and, and a lot of talk about the the design of the costumes because they went all leather, mm-hmm. and that mirrored what was happening in the X Men book, which Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely had recently taken over. And it was a huge switch from the designs that had been around for a long time. And um, I think this movie hit at the right time too in 2000 because the old X-Men cartoon the kids that had watched that after school every day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: were now at an age where they had movie or money to go to the movies so so they were hyped for it and and I think that's what helped launch this because they had been educated on who these characters were in a mass market
0: I wish that they would have had the X-Men theme from that 90s cartoon in this movie
1: you weren't the only one. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So good. They, they did add the the juggernaut in.
0: Not in, in X3. I know. Yeah. We, uh, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, my memories of when this movie came out, honestly, I mean, I probably didn't even see this in the theater. Uh, what? That was, because really, I think I probably first saw it like as a VHS at my friend's house or something. Yeah, VHS. Folks, that was that was a while back, but I remember seeing seeing it. But I do know I saw X Men two in the theater, and I was so pumped for it. But I don't think I saw the first one in the theater. I think it was kind of like before my you know awareness, we'll call it, of film and comic book media and all that kind of stuff was there, because like I said, when I was when I was that age, I was playing with Legos. I wasn't really caring about what was happening as far as the movies go. That would come a couple of years later where I really got into movies. But at this point, most of my time was just trying to figure out how to make my Legos go together and put them in shapes and things that shouldn't work, but they will because I want to make them work. (laughs)
1: You need to buy some Legos, buddy. I do.
0: I, I miss them immensely. And I, whenever I go to the store and I see them, I'm like, oh, I want some Legos. And I see the price tag. I'm like, ah, I can wait.
1: <laughs> it's, it's worth it. They they maintain their value. They grow in
0: value. And they're timeless, too. Like, I can pass those on. And they will not break, ever.
1: Nope. I have so many of my old Legos from when I was your age when the Sex men movie came out.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was it was great though. Um, but yeah, I do need to get some Legos. I actually, I kind of want some Mega Blocks because there's some Halo Mega Blocks that look pretty. Don't, cool.
1: don't don't talk about that
0: <laughs> Mega Blocks. Listen to you. <laughs> but Star Wars is Legos, and that's where my heart lies. So anyway, back to X Men. <laughs> uh, when I first remember seeing this movie, I remember being blown away by it and watching it over and over again because I like you had seen the, the cartoon series and the cartoon series was one of my favorite things that and the Spider-Man cartoon series and Batman. Those were, that was my childhood in a nutshell. Those three cartoons, uh, after school on Fox, I believe it was. It sure was though. That was, those were the days, man. So kids these days will never understand after school cartoons. They won't, yeah. they won't understand. Right.
1: Racing homes. So you can watch these shows. Uh, uh-huh. Mine, I was I was probably like in the Ducktales, Tailspin, we... Rescue Rangers era, but I continued watching cartoons into the Batman and X Men era. Mm.
0: Well, Batman was so good too. Like the the storytelling was really advanced for the time and for 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 an after school comp a uh, cartoon. It is it amazing.
1: It holds up hardcore.
0: Oh, it does. It's on Amazon Prime, and I've been slowly watching through all of them again.
1: Yeah, I put it on when I'm building Legos.
0: Speaking of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, this movie was I I remember loving it because I loved Charles Xavier's casting as Patrick Stewart. I love Patrick Stewart. Um I was familiar with him as Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Um, and I loved him as Picard. I loved his his portrayal of that captain cuz I Whenever I think of who, whenever I get asked rather who's your captain in Star Trek, I always go to Picard. He's mm-hmm. he's my boy mm-hmm. because he's the thinker. He's the guy that he faced some serious stuff, right? And instead of having to be like Kirk and fight his way out of it, he thought his way out of it, and he had a good crew that commanded or he commanded respect from. And you know he, and that was because the portrayal of Jean-Luc Picard by Patrick Stewart. And I always thought, I was like, man, if they ever do an X-Men movie, they got to cast Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier, because he looks the part. Maybe it was just because he was a uh, bald guy, <laughs> but he, he just looked perfect. And the casting for, for Jean-Luc Picard was, <laughs> Jean Picard, for, uh, Professor Xavier was spot on. I loved the casting of Magneto with Ian McKellen. Uh, I wasn't super familiar with his work before Magneto, but I became a fan of his instantly because the way he commanded the scene and was menacing as Magneto, he was perfect. And then, of course, the casting of Wolverine. He looked the part. He's what I wanted out of Wolverine. I didn't know really what to want from a movie Wolverine, but I got what I feel like I wanted. Uh, but those are the things that stand out to me from what I remember uh, initially watching this movie. Uh, what stands out for you?
1: Uh, I would completely agree with you on the casting of, of Professor X and Magneto, and Wolverine for that matter. When back then, no one knew who this guy was that they casted for
0: Wolverine. Mm-hmm. He was um, a he was a pretty boy actor or something like that at that point.
1: W- I think he did a lot of stage stuff, a lot of musicals and things like that. So people weren't sure if he could man up enough to do it. Uh, but may, he. yeah, I think he maybe nailed it. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. kind of liked it. It's all right. Uh, well, you know, when it was on the screen, uh, yeah, he definitely embodied Wolverine, um, probably better than anybody else on the screen, except for Charles and, and Magneto. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the, the thing that really sold this movie, well, there's a couple of things. So Wolverine is the everyman. Mm-hmm. I think they, they tried to kind of make it rogue, uh, but really Wolverine is put in there as the everyman and the the entry point for um, new people because he was the one being introduced to the, to the mansion and they were kind of explaining things to him. Um, and so it's cool to kind of put yourself in, you almost get yourself in his head as he's the one experiencing it. So it makes you feel cool (laughs) while you watch it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then... Also, Magneto is a real villain. Yes. Magneto's a real villain, but more than that, he's a real person. Like, he actually has a traumatic thing happen to him, or things, many things, and he has a believable reason for why uh, he feels all this hatred and why he is doing what he is doing. And Charles and Magneto have a believable relationship on the screen. Mm-hmm. and And I think that is one of the major things that sells the movie.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, that opening scene uh, with uh, Magneto as a young Eric Lencher being, you know, kept away from his parents at that uh, concentration camp, very powerful scene. Uh, immediately, you feel sympathetic for this guy, and you understand, where he's coming from. You don't have to have this huge origin story about his whole journey. You get from that moment on why he feels and thinks the way that he does.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it, it also sets the tone for the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this movie's kind of dark and has a lot of pain to it. And, And it's real. It's the real world. It's not just some comic book world.
0: Mm hmm. So, talk. What do you think about the actual story that you get with this X Men film? There's a there's a a twist along the way. Uh, there's introductions and things like that. How do you think they did as far as the story and just telling it to a, a, an audience that honestly probably weren't very familiar with the comic book the comic book lore uh, at all. Um.
1: I. <laughs> my uh, interpretations of it are are sort of filtered through being someone who is familiar with the comic book lore so uh it's always sort of uh tinged with these saber knows who wolverine is <laughs> like wolverine and saber fight all the time what, why is he saying this thing <laughs> right. um but the, but overall i think i think the story was strong i mean it, it got the characters together the way that they introduced all of the characters to each other uh, was done in a solid way. the The only thing I kind of didn't like was that ball and the the sort of cockamamie way that they were going to make everyone a mutant and basically kill off humans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I I liked that they they actually touched on some of the uh, racial aspects of of the X Men because at their heart, uh, you know, the X Men are this battle against racism. And, you know, having Senator Kelly in there, even for as short of a time as he was there, uh, set that tone, too, which, again, lended it toward this is the real world. This is not just a comic book world. This could really happen.
0: Mm-hmm. So really, the Senator Kelly character, what he says with these this registration act that we are introduced to, and it's crazy to think about how on point— That really is. To this movie was sixteen years ago, and in the past sixteen years, and recently, for sure, we have seen echoes of this conversation. And this is from a film, but we've seen this conversation in our real lives. So this story is really, really on point, especially when you, like you said, with the with the racial uh, undertones or the racial. What's the right word I'm looking for? Um, themes. Themes, yeah. It's it holds up from not only just the way it looks visually, but also the story itself is still very applicable. And I think that's probably part of the reason why the X Men uh, franchise is as enduring as it is. You know, that's
1: that's interesting that you say that because I've actually talked uh, on Comic Nerds Unite about how I think that um the x-men brand in the comic books anyway is starting to kind of dilute a little bit because they're struggling with the fact that people have started to become so much more accepting than they used to be and since the x-men were so focused on this this um fear and sort of racism they almost are sort of forcing it in place like they're making these epic things happen to remind you that oh yeah they, they hate mutants not because they're different anymore, but because they did this thing. And um, anyway, but, but yes, I mean, there are many other things. And and racism is as old as time. So, of course, that theme is going to play out today, just as it does in this movie from 16 years ago.
0: Yeah. This movie has a twist in it when we get into it. You know, you, you're following... You you follow the character of Rogue initially. She runs into Wolverine, you get introduced to him, and then you kind of follow Wolverine's journey and you see the attack and them trying to catch a mutant, right? And you understand finally that it's it's not Wolverine they're after, but it's after, it's Rogue that they're after. This twist, did it work for you? <laughs> no not really <laughs>
1: I, I honestly the the worst part about this or the worst part of this movie i think was rogue period
0: you know like anna Peckin. is it Paquin? no
1: i think she's weird looking <laughs> there's there's something about her face that i am just turned off by uh but her acting is more of an issue for me really uh yeah she i don't think she pulled it off at all and and i i think uh, it's stupid but i really wanted rogue to be an older character i didn't like that she was a little kid um mm-hmm.
0: not even a high school graduate at that point
1: <laughs> right and she's running away uh no egg because the 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 idea of how the powers were going to make everyone a mutant didn't make any sense whatsoever so having the twist in there didn't make any sense i, I just it didn't do anything for me mhm i was i was more there for the way the characters were interacting with one another and, and sort of the cool fight scenes. Like when Magneto was, was in the statue of Liberty and moved the, the metal rebar and stuff and was holding the X-Men against it. Mm -hmm. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you really get the sense of Magneto being that very powerful menacing presence. I have a question for you though. I'm kind of curious about this after watching it again was when, They do the attack on the train station, or a bus station, whatever it was, and they're on the way out, and Professor X has Sabretooth and Toad under his control, and Magneto turns all the guns on the police officers, and he pulls the trigger for one, but then the bullet stops, and he says, I can't, or care to press your luck, I don't think I can stop them all. Did Magneto pull the trigger and then stop that bullet? Yes. Yes. What was the point in that?
1: <laughs> he was showing how powerful he was, what he could do. Hmm.
0: I, I was. I've always kind of wondered. Okay, did did Jean Grey did she stop that bullet? But because you kind of get that look from her for a second after he says, "I don't think I can stop them all." But I thought that I never took it that he actually stopped the bullet because it just wouldn't make sense to me.
1: Uh, I think. I think he's just showing how powerful he is. I think he's threatening getting them to release the the mind control.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: was my impression of it anyway. Yeah. And Gene, I don't think Gene was powerful enough at any point to have stopped a bullet in this movie.
0: Not in this like, movie. Yeah, she
1: was, so. she was portrayed as a huge wuss
0: <laughs> for the most part, which I love the character of Gene Gray in the comics. But and I do think honestly, an X-Men here and an X-Men two, I like the progression that they have of Jean Grey. Uh, X-Men 3 we'll talk about later. But it's just I the character of Jean Grey is very interesting in the whole uh, Phoenix saga that you can look at in, in the comic book series. I'm not sure which numbers of X-Men it is. I think it's like the 130s, somewhere in yeah. there. yep. But uh, that character is so compelling, so interesting.
1: She is. She's been dead for a long time now in the comics. They kind of they kind of brought her back.
0: Sort you know as a young girl. No one's ever dead in comics. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Except Thomas and Martha Wayne and Pa Kent, right? Those are like the only ones.
1: Well, Pa Kent wasn't dead for a long time. They brought him back.
0: Oh, did they? Yeah.
1: Huh. oh yeah. Uncle Ben. He's the other one.
0: Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, Uncle Ben.
1: And it, and it used to be Bucky, but then he
0: came back. <laughs> then he came back. That's yeah, true. Anyway, so when you when you look at this movie as a whole, what what do you, what are your thoughts? Where does it? Where do you put it on a scale of one to ten? Where does it fall on Tim's happy meter?
1: Tim's happy meter. Uh, I was pretty happy last night when I was watching it. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Because I'm not allowed to do decimals on Star Wars Nerds Unite.
0: <laughs> Feel free to use decimals, my friend. I will. 8.7. 8.7. I mean, that's that's pretty high praise. I, I do really enjoy this movie as well. Um, and like I said, it holds up really well. And the casting is excellent. Uh, I mean, there are a couple missteps. Like, I love Ray Park. Um, I mean, he's always going to be Darth Maul to me. And... Just Toad in this movie, I don't know. It's kind of lame in a way. He didn't do anything. Oh, he jumped around unbelievably and climbed up walls, definitely with wire There was a lot of wire in this movie.
1: Yes, yes, there definitely was. There was also, you know, if I had one uh, criticism of the technical aspects, because the, the visual effects are actually, I think, really good. Yeah, they, they hold uh, up still. It's great. Especially for 16 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but the sound, I thought, didn't hit it for me like the way they uh like for Sabretooth, they kept using actual lion roars <laughs> uh-huh i, I thought it was silly uh, there was a couple other i, I should have written them down but the the sound in it didn't sound uh kind of believable
0: yeah uh, yeah and the the portrayal of Sabretooth 2, too uh as since we're on the subject a little bit eh. Sabretooth has never been uh, one of my favorite characters uh he's just not compelling to me but in here he basically says like a couple lines and he drops senator kelly and that's just kind of a thing and that there's the funny thing where magneto walks out and closes the gates on him which is great but yeah I, as far as the villains go magneto is excellent mystique is okay um I always liked the character of Mystique in a way, but she is a really talented fighter in this film. Yeah, she definitely is. And I thought it was interesting, too, when she morphs into Wolverine, she gets some kind of claws. Obviously, they're not adamantium, but some kind of claws that she can cut chains with.
1: Maybe it's the like she can grow those little spikes things she has on her body.
0: Hmm. I don't know. Could be interesting. I always, always thought that was kind of weird because especially it's kind of amplified when at the scene where uh, Wolverine cuts off her claws. And she's like, ah! Like, what, what would have fallen off there? Would she, did she, like, lose the equivalent of a fingernail? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, is there a scene later on where at the end credit scene where, like, you look down there and it's, like, three fingernails and she goes and gets them? Ah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't watch the end credit scene, so
0: oh, there wasn't anything after the credits. So (laughs) this was before. I thought
1: that that was where the fingernail scene came in.
0: No, Uh, this was before that whole trend. Believe it or not, I think X Men two, maybe, maybe three, kind of is where that whole trend began. I think it was two or three. I think you're right. So as far as my ratings with this movie, it's it's going to be up there pretty high as well. This is a great movie. It was a great movie in 2000. It's a great movie today. Uh, it's it's not one... You look at a lot of these superhero movies from this time frame, and you watch them again, and they don't hold up very well. Uh, X-Men, it holds up. It stands the test of time. It's, it's going to be a movie you can watch... You know, in two years from now, ten years from now, and still enjoy the story, enjoy the content that's given to you. Uh, the musical score—I think Josh Powell did the music—excellent. Uh, I I love the fanfare that they have for the X Men, um, and I think that it's it's a really well done film all the way to all the way together. And something that surprised me, that also made me happy, was the screenplay was done by a fellow. Named David Hader. Does that name mean anything to you, Tim?
1: Uh, nope.
0: Have you ever played a little game called Metal Gear Solid?
1: Nope. <sighs> You're breaking <laughs> my heart. I don't... I have five children. I do not have time for video games.
0: Well, this would have been before you had children, this game. Uh, back on the PlayStation 1 days?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was... Uh, I, I played mostly. I played a lot of sports games.
0: Oh well, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, to our our listeners, David Hayter is the original voice of Solid Snake. Oh, he's the the character you play as in like Metal Gear Solid, and he's in a lot of the.
1: Uh, oh, Metal Gear games. I know who he is.
0: Oh, you do. Well, I'm welcome, not that pop culture dead. <laughs> so David Hayter, the voice of Snake. Did the screenplay for this movie. I wow. Thought, I thought that was a nice little a nice little tidbit of knowledge.
1: Obviously a comic book fan.
0: Mm-hmm. So My rating of this movie, I think I don't know if I gave it a number rating yet, but I would think I would have to give it at least like an, an eight point five to nine. It was it was great.
1: Non committal.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to go Commit. under or Commit. over you. Come in, uh, Toad. That makes it eight point five because it's it's a great movie. It's a movie that I could watch again and be happy watching this movie no matter what. Um, it's a great origin story to to pull Wolverine into it and uh, to have the school already established and introduce us to it. But you get the you get lines like what happens to a toad (laughs) struck by lightning (laughs) you know storm was not a strong point no not at all there's just a few things that knock it down from that nine peg for me so uh i do think that 8.5 is a very solid recommendation and this movie is is a movie that i can highly recommend and say if somebody wants to watch an x-men movie i would say watch this one first you You could watch First Class if you wanted to uh, as your first movie, but I think that this would be my recommendation of what movie to watch for a brand-new fan to the franchise or a brand-new person to the franchise. Uh, Definitely would be this movie, the 2000 X-Men.
1: I would totally agree with that. And it is actually streaming on HBO Go, for those that are curious.
0: HBO Go wonder why probably because apocalypse is coming out are they streaming all of the x-men movies
1: uh you know i didn't actually look i just looked for that one
0: okay well it's good to know uh, i'm sure that they're actually probably streaming most of them because apocalypse is coming out and it's kind of making the the streaming rounds again making it more popular so anything else that you would like to say about x-men
1: uh, looking over my notes here. I think we, we pretty well covered it. The, the cage fight with Wolverine was yeah. amazing.
0: Oh yeah. You just reminded me of something. Question for you. So, uh, Magneto's helmet, it, it keeps Professor Xavier out of his head. Yes. Wouldn't the adamantium skull keep professor xavier out of wolverine's head
1: uh it's about the shape (laughs) so so it's actually the shape the way that magneto's helmet is shaped is a lot different than an actual human skull so so that uh that plays a role in in the reception of mind reading
0: okay i'll 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 allow that (laughs) Because it covers a little bit of his brainstem. It covers the ears as well, which is important. So I think you're onto something. The shape of the helmet is what does it. It's I'm not, I'm not buying that, but I'll, I'll let it pass for now. <laughs> you said you bought it. Yeah, I'm, I'm returning it. <laughs> but yeah, so that was one of my questions. This movie is, 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 is great. I love it. Next week, we'll talk about a movie that I also like, really enjoy, and may be better than this movie. And that is X2, X-Men United. I think it's literally called X2. I don't think they called it X-Men 2. When you look at the actual uh, listing, like the catalog listing, I believe it's X2 colon X-Men United.
1: Yes, you are 100% right.
0: Do they not want to use X-Men twice in the the title?
1: (laughs) Uh no, I think that they this time period X was super awesome, so they were trying to be super cool. They're like, "Oh man, what's your movie yeah. called x two Yeah, that's exactly what it was.
0: <laughs> oh well, if it's any if it's any consider or consideration, if it's any idea of how I feel about the movie, I think the stupidest thing about the movie is just the x two title so. Uh, look forward to that discussion next week when we get to talk X two, X Men United, and one of the best opening sequences in a movie with Nightcrawler. It was it was excellent. Tim, what would you like to plug to the fair listeners of that's entertaining?
1: Uh, I think I I plugged most of it, you know, very smoothly. And seamlessly in the rest of the podcast, but
0: very eloquently, uh, yes.
1: <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at SuperTim eighty uh, two. Uh, you can check out both podcasts at uh, StarWarsNerdsUnite.com dot or ComicNerdsUnite.com. Very cool. That's it.
0: Awesome. You can tweet the show at Entertaining Pod. You can shoot an email to the show, that's entertaining at gmail.com. We welcome any comments, questions, concerns, or disagreements that you may have with our entertaining thoughts this week. You can get me on Twitter. I am at Sith Nightmare S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. And you can find me if you want to play Xbox or something like that, Spider-Jedi. I'm always out there to play games. In fact, I've been playing Star Wars Battlefront recently, so if you want to play some Battlefront, hit me up. That's a great game. Have you played Battlefront, Tim? No,
1: I have five children. I don't have time to play video games. I just literally literally two months ago downloaded and bought Fallout 3 for my PC.
0: (laughs) Catching up to the times quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What you should probably do is put a couple of those kids to work so that way you got a little time a little extra fundage to get a little bit uh a little bit of uh, xbox action or something in there you know
1: i i probably still wouldn't do it i i would just read comic books i do so much (laughs) i do so much podcasting that uh i spend a lot of time getting ready for that and working (laughs) i work a lot so
0: yeah oh i hear you on both fronts there sir uh, one quick question, one final question for you, because you've talked about comics a lot and I'm just, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. I think I know the answer. What, dear sir, is your preferred method to read a comic book? Is it the, the individual issues as they come out? Is it a trade paperback? Is it the digital copy? What do you prefer?
1: Oh man, that's kind of a hard question because it is one that I'm actually kind of struggling with right now. It depends on the situation. Like if I am going to be reading comics before bed, I prefer or like during the day, I prefer to have a paper copy. Like I enjoy it better and I remember it better. Um, But I have an iPad Pro now. Nice. Oh, Mm. And it's like every comic book is in a huge mega format (laughs) and it's pretty great. And I love having my library with me everywhere. So when I used to travel, I used to carry like a stack of books just in case because I didn't want to run out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I have that stack of books in my iPad, so I don't have to actually bring comics. So I only buy Marvel paper copies mm-hmm. because they come with digital codes. And then the DC books, I either don't buy at all or I just buy digitally. Um dc loses a lot of money for me because they don't do codes yeah and then image books i buy all digitally um i will buy trades on the image books uh mostly for my wife because she actually prefers paper too she likes those so everything is the answer to your question (laughs) I, i do everything fair answer mostly singles i will say
0: yeah and i am along with you there i love the marvel books and i'll i'll buy a marvel book from you know the local comic shop over there at zeke's and uh, i love being able to grab that paper copy put it on my shelf after i get the digital code and read it on my guided view and Comixology because i think the the best way to read a comic is that sell to sell approach that they have in the guided view comicsology app so Every every cell is uh, something interesting happening. You don't have that because I don't know if you get the same thing like I do. You get like the wandering eye syndrome where you kind of like oh look at the look at the imagery, look what's happening. What you know, and with the guided view, every cell gives you that impact, that page turn after every every turn, and I like it a lot.
1: I think it depends on the comic you're reading. Some of them lend themselves toward that. Something like um, The Walking Dead or Archie or something like the new Archie uh, I think makes sense for it but something that's um, does big double splashes and and has a little bit more of an artistic flair to it like something that uh, Russell Dowderman would do or um, I don't know anybody great uh, is <laughs> going to be is going to be a I like to see the whole page because I like to take in I like to see the whole image and then I read the individual pieces so mm-hmm. I only use guided views sometimes. Okay, interesting.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been That's Entertaining. We hope that you have been entertained, and we thank you for listening.
1: I'm going to text my wife and see if she is doing anything crazy downstairs. I asked her to take it easy on the streaming.
0: Take it easy.
1: (laughs) Yep, just like that. (laughs) Is that how you asked her? (laughs) Yep. Come on.